I greet you all in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, he is God. Jesus is the Son of God, and Christ is the one who anoints God's presence. May we listen to the Lord in a time of silence and stillness. Nothing has gone wrong. It appears to be a step down, but it in fact, it's a step forward. Our lives are in his hands. If anyone had a word on their heart during that silence, would you share it now, please? Thank you. Another one? Thanks. But there are two things that came out of that tragedy. We all know the story. There was a band playing in the ship when it was going down. And the band leader said to the, to the musicians, do not leave your post. Keep playing. And what they were playing was abide with me. When the ship sank, and those few that had survived were looking, what was was no more. The ship had gone slid beneath the icy waters. And there was one man on one of the lifeboats calling out, Is anyone out there? Is anyone out there? Abide with me. Is anyone out there? More prepared to listen than to speak. The word of the Lord. Two ears, one mouth. Praise his holy name. I don't have to go through the trouble of waking up ancestors when I'm in need. The God of Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. <clears throat> his eye is upon me all the time, and his ear is always listening for my voice. Thank you. In the pre-service prayer meeting, a word was received, threshold, with the understanding 
that for each of us there is a threshold the Lord is leading us across, and for all of us together there's a corporate threshold. That's the banks of the Jordan. Alex, what do you mean? We have raised our Ebenezer. Margie knows. Where's Margie? Margie, you know Ebenezer? We have raised our Ebenezer. Is it God with us? No, God is my help. Oh, God is my help. It said so in the next line. Hmm? Amen. Amen. Well, if Athalie agrees, we're on the right track. <laughs> Ebenezer, was it? Uh, Daryl Shriby shook me up recently with a quote from Angus Buchan saying, good people go to hell. Believers go to heaven. I, I, I then reflected that good people go to church. But maybe only a minority are members of the body of Christ. For each member of the body is linked to the head of the body through the faith. Personally connected. I realized afresh, as in my own case, that one can be devoted to one's religious systems without knowing Jesus as Savior and Lord. That was me. I was shaken to recognize that some very good Christian friends of mine are primarily related in their identity to their church, their denomination, their pastor, their priest, their predicate. Their doctrinal system, their prayer beads, the symbols of their faith. Valuable vehicles, each one of them, to lead to an encounter with Christ, but all too often, beloved, oh how sadly, a substitute for that relationship. I've been there. 
I slipped back there in my daily prayers about six or nine months ago, and the Lord wrapped me over the nussle and said, we'll do that again, Jonathan. You weren't anywhere near it. And I'd been going through a, a recitation. So our, our religious systems can be keep God at a distance. That's what religion's there for. It's, we, we think that religion is going to draw us to God. Religion is there to keep God at a distance, safely under control. The far end of a funny-shaped building with people wearing funny clothes. Their language and prayers are orthodox and mostly biblical, but they lack that personal passion and joy that comes from being joined heart-to-heart to Jesus. Ritual replaces reality. Religion replaces relationship. Church going has a profit motive. To get rather than to give is a measure of guilt, an obligation, I ought to be there. But primarily, perhaps, the motive is to attract a blessing from God in the form of answered prayer. Whereas God loves and blesses us in any case, whether we go through the religious hoops or not. The purpose of our assembling together is to bring praise, gratitude, and glory to God as Sandy has just expressed. To hear his voice, to hear his voice in fellowship, Some years ago, the Lord told me very severely to listen to the people most closely whom I disagree with. Song, prayer, testimony, breaking of bread, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the preaching of his word. Those are all frameworks within God, which God speaks to us. Hopefully, by the grace of God, hearts will be turned to the faith of Jesus and lives redirected to follow him during these activities. Incidentally, Incidentally, believers may be healed and counseled, comforted, restored, and reassured. Restored to hope. When the wheels fall off. I've got to go to PM, Peter Matsburg this week to, uh, to Tabitha Ministries. This has been under attack by malicious satanic slanders. And it involves international donors and all that stuff. It's all malicious, it's all untrue. Restored to hope. You'll sort it out, Lord. The Lord's told me, don't worry, I'll sort it out. Whatever your crisis is, the Lord is saying, I'll sort it out. Cross the threshold of faith. I need to take a diversion here 
especially for Alex's benefit, distinguished between the eternal, unchangeable word embodied in Jesus and recorded in the scripture. That is eternal. That's what some people call the canon law of God's word in Holy Scripture. That's eternal. It's not changeable. But there is also a temporary word, a now word. A, a word which has a short shelf life and may be a very narrow addressee list, perhaps even only one person. But God is still speaking to his people. It doesn't mean, as some say who wish to deny the validity of the charismatic renewal, it doesn't mean that, oh, well, if that's the word of God, we must add it to the scripture. Absolute nonsense. It's out of date tomorrow. So if God, if communication is the basis of relationship, which most people agree with, although there are some marriages where you wouldn't believe that to be the case. Going through the no-speaks season. If communication is the basis of relationship, when does God speak? The answer is all the time. Is there a Psalm 19 coming up? Ah. God. Throughout Scripture, God is revealed first as creator and secondly as redeemer. That's from Genesis to Revelation. He speaks to us every day through creation. That is why... Mankind is without excuse because the gospel is written into the cycle of human life. Whether it's dusk, night, dawn and day, autumn, winter, spring and summer, death, burial, resurrection and ascension. whether it's the seas or the mountains or the rivers or the animal kingdom or the tiny little flower. It's all there in the book. By the way, we've got it wrong. He is the rose of Sharon. We are the li- uh, he, he is the lily of the valley. That's actually not what the scriptures say. We sing that song that Jesus is the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. But David Paulson has pointed out that the context is that his people are the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. Anyhow, 
No way, it's theology. We don't have to worry about that. You see, the sun in this verse, it's gone, is, is a metaphor for the bridegroom. There's going to be a wedding next Saturday. And there's going to be a wedding up front in the kingdom of heaven quite soon. What have we got here? Mountains, rivers, vine, olive tree, pomegranate, the wilderness, the seasons, the rocks, the seas, the animal kingdom. So if God is speaking through creation 24-7, to whom does he speak? A shepherd speaks to his sheep. You are the people of his pasture, the flock of his hand. Great shepherd, chief shepherd, good shepherd, my shepherd. The the picture they have told us uh, that Jesus is talking about in the context of, of his earthly life, the custom was that there would be a number of flocks scattered across the hillside during the day and the shepherds would bring in their flocks to the sheepfold where there would be a guardian, a doorkeeper until the morning. And in the morning, now all the sheep are all muddled up together. In the morning, the shepherds would come and one shepherd would come up and say, Oi, 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 And all who belong to that call come out. Another shepherd would come out like, And so Jesus says in that, in John 10, he says, I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. Christians are people who not only believe in Jesus, but follow him. We don't pay our dues by going to church on Sunday. So he's speaking to his sheep. We are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Let's have Psalm 95, please. It's up there, is it? You're way ahead of me, Mandy. In some versions, it says the flock of his hand. We are the sheep of his pasture, the flock of his hand, doesn't it? So what's he saying? He is saying, 
You all have appointments. With me. He is saying, I'm coming back. And will take us up. If I may continue. <laughs> Not proper for people to interfere with the preacher. But she is biblical. Because when Paul says how you run a Christian service, is everyone has a song. A bit threatening for some of us, with Alan around. <laughs> You know, he, he's coming back. Well, we know that sometime in a thousand years. He's coming back for us. This is an appointment we have. He's coming back to take us up. He's coming back. Keith, I'll beat you to it yet, man. This is going to happen. 1 Thessalonians 4, the taking up of the church. We're going to be there. It's an appointment. It's not an option. It's not a perhaps. not a fantasy. It's on God's curriculum. We're going to be taken up. Now, evangelicals, as is their wont, are fighting over this business of the rapture. Is there a rapture? Well, we know there is. It says so. When? Is it before the tribulation, or the middle of the tribulation, or after the tribulation? That's irrelevant. It's going to happen. It is going to happen. We have an appointment. We're going to be taken up. And some of us will already be there. Where are you going, Keith? (laughs) (laughs) That's an appointment we have. The Lord's coming back. That's the focus of the church. There are many expectations in this world of the Lord, you know, my wedding and my finances and my pension and my cottage by the sea. That's all right, that's right, but it, it's, it's incidental, it's, it's, it's peanuts. A 
Appointment number two. We will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us who are believers. The beamer judgment seat of Christ. All of us. It's an appointment we have. We can't say sorry playing golf. We have an appointment. He's coming back, taking us up, and we'll be a poor before the judgment seat. Well, that doesn't make sense. I thought we had been judged, and we have. The judgment is not for sin. Our sins have been judged. And we've been found guilty. And Jesus, the Lamb of God, has been made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. So this judgment seat of Christ is not for sin. It is an appointment, though. It's an appointment for the judgment of service. Or... The judgment of lifestyle. Or where are we going? Have we lived as light reflectors? Have we lived and followed Jesus? Free from the lust for eminence, power, fame and success. And service, you don't have to go and be a missionary in Tibet in order to qualify. Supposing you are a sweeper in a factory and you've been faithful to Jesus in your capacity. You will be honored at the judgment seat of Christ in the same way as any evangelist who has led thousands upon thousands to the Lord. It's about talent and opportunity and capacity to be faithful to Jesus in the context. When I was attending a, an egghead forum, I don't know how I got involved, but they were all professors and doctors of this, that, and the other philosophy, etc. And the scorn and contempt was poured on anyone who would believe in the Garden of Eden. Or even in the supernatural. And I thank God he anointed me that day to say, I believe in him. And they had a very important, very clever visiting speaker. And he said, well, I, I think we can all agree there's no such thing as the supernatural. I said, no, I don't agree. He said, well, when do you encounter the supernatural? I said, every day. <laughs> he didn't pour contempt on me. He was very gracious, actually. He looked at me as if I'd come from Mars. But do take care 
There's a warning in 1 Corinthians 3 about this judgment. It's all about a bonfire. And the bonfire is crackling. It's made of wood, hay, and stubble. It's all those earnest religious initiatives by people who wish to draw attention to themselves and be esteemed very highly for their religiosity. There's a warning there. Of course, when they throw Athelie into the fire, she will just glow. Gold, silver, and precious stone is not subject to the flame, but just radiates light. So that's an appointment. And now we have an appointment for which Alan Blackman has already got his ticket. We are summoned to a royal banquet. Not too sure about the menu, it's all about wine. And in this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all people a feast of choice pieces. What are your choice pieces? Lamb chop. A feast. We have an appointment with a banquet and a feast. You will notice in the scriptures that while there's a place for fasting, God celebrates mostly with feasts. Eating and uh, 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 eating in fellowship is a covenant experience, event. A feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, <laughs> of well-refined wines on the lees. Actually, I think we're really going to have to take the Lord's account on this. He's getting quite out of hand. He will destroy on this mountain the surface of the covering cast over all people, the veil, the covering of death. Jesus Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. That is the good news. The good news is that death, we've sung it about death shall die and that glorious hymn. Death is due for the burning of hell. And we shall be celebrating at this banquet eternal life with the one who has conquered death. Can we search our hearts and know we have eternal life? Eternal life does not start when we die. John 5.24 Those who have believed 
have already passed over from death to life. We're living eternal life now in the spirit. The soul's dragging its feet a bit. And this banquet celebrates the death of this covering, this veil of death. Whole animal kingdoms about death. Everything's eating everything else. The Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Tears and sorrows of this world. And who in this room has not got deep personal sorrows in some area or the other probably to do family affairs? And the tears will be wiped away. What a glorious appointment. Put it in your diaries. Sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that awaits us. Although God pours his blessings on us in this evil world, we need to take note that in the new covenant, both in the ministry of Jesus and of Paul and the others, they're focusing on the age to come. And Paul says in the Galatians, he has come to deliver us out of this present evil world. And there are two things about this world in that context. One, it is present for a short time longer. The next, it is evil. And the glory and beauty of creation shines through this present evil world in the dimensions we've already shared. A long-time friend of mine came to visit me last week. He, he, he was in this fellowship 40 years ago with his young family. They're all grown up now, every one of them, three boys and a girl. They're all in Christian ministry, significant ministry. And, and he, he recalled to me his conversion experience. He said... There was this preacher who was preaching on the second coming of Christ. And at the end, he shook me to the core and I was converted when he said, Are you ready? If anyone wants some prayer, come forward.